Good evening, everyone. My name is Melanie Totterich. I'm with the Little Beaver Lions Club. Sort of hard to see you from underneath the lights here. <laughs> I hear you, Mark. Thank you very much. First of all, for those people who came and enjoyed the Pumpkin Palooza, we thank you very, very much. We will be back again next year for our fourth consecutive year on Saturday, October 12th. So by all means, if you get the chance, come on early for that. I want to give you a little bit of history about the Little Beaver Lions. We are 77 years old right now. We service the community in many ways. Every bit of the money that we earn through our concessions, through the Pumpkin Palooza, through any of this, 100% goes back to the community. We develop many different programs in the community. We help the blind, the sick, the elderly, if you need glasses, medical care, whatever, we help you out. We bring it to our, our board, we address the issue and go from there. We have a lot of different activities above and beyond this pumpkin palooza tonight and the caruza, which would have been earlier, which we had two antique cars show up. Ironically, they belong to lions. So we know next year, if we have a wonderful day, it should work out much better along with the trunk or treat and so on from there. We thank Kevin Farkas for putting on this program. He has in joint venture with us, started two years ago. This is our third year of doing that. So we will always stay as a joint venture, which works out very well, especially like we all know when the weather cooperates. So we've been coming up with different ideas, hoping we get activities, hoping we get cooperation and some participation, and maybe along the way, some few new members. We're always welcome to new members, as any organization is. But I'll be honest with you, I've been a lion for about 17 years now. It's the best thing I ever did. It really is. I like giving to the community. I like our organization. Our organization, the Little Beaver Lions Club, was titled as a model club. We are only one of 20 across the nation. And in the world, there are close to 1.45 million lions across the world. We are in 240 countries. We help out with tsunamis. We help out with earthquakes. When Kentucky had the big storms, we sent two tractor trailer trucks filled, filled with generators and gas and food and water and clothing and all that to them. And it's pretty awesome to know you're part of that. <sighs> Excuse me. But I thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good time. And the food will be available until the men. I think they're planning on starting to pack up around 730 thereabouts and then they do have for the 21 and above crowd we have enriched cider available a little cinnamon kick to it and it's very good from what i understand have yet to try it myself but enjoy it thank you and good night Thank you, Melanie. Melanie is the hardest working person around, I must say. I've known Melanie uh, since we were both kids on the streets of Beaver Falls. And uh, Melanie, uh, uh, she always calls and says, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And she's so committed to the community uh, and raising money and things. Very good, Melanie. 
Thank you so much. My name is Mike Romai. I'm with uh, WBVP and WNBA, Beaver County Radio, and it's an honor to be out here. I love this town. And uh, this kind of night just adds to the whole kind of feeling of Halloween and ghost stories and great music. Uh, I'm here uh, invited by uh, Kevin from the Social Voice Project, and uh, what a great organization he has. It's not really an orga organization in the sense that he's a one-man show. He does so many good things interviews around the area, historical stuff. Uh, you go onto the website, socialvoiceproject.org, and, and you can see a lot of those uh, videos that he's shot over the year, years and talked about the history of uh, Beaver County, and, and here we are tonight in New Galilee. So I want to thank the uh, Little Beaver Lions Club for inviting us out here today to put this all on. You're in for a real treat today, and... Uh, Dotson's over there. How you doing? Selling your wares right there, right? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. get up, move around a little bit so your legs don't fall asleep in between sets and go and check them out, see what they have going on over there. Uh, Melanie Totterich, of course, the Little Beaver Lions Club. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, and it's just all fun and community-oriented. Uh, you know about the pig lady? You guys familiar with the story of the pig lady? Candleton Road? I didn't know about her either. Now, my wife grew up uh, in Koppel, and we've been on Koppel New Galley Road forever. We know Charlie No-Face. We've talked to Charlie in the past. And uh, my sister used to, or my wife, my sister, that's a Freudian thing, isn't it? She <laughs> <laughs> um, used to have conversations uh, with Ray Robinson, and that has been a long legend over the years. One that's tough on his reputation because he was really a nice guy if you ever got to know him. But, uh, you know, people have their own stories and they got to keep it alive. Folklore and the uh, Pig Lady of Candleton Road, I hadn't heard about until I was invited to come out here and do this. Uh, so we're going to have some talks on that and all kind of other things, things that go bump in the night, which is a lot of fun. I used to host these things when I was on KDKA radio and we would go off to different places, cemeteries and haunted buildings, and it, was, it is a lot of fun. So this is just a, a, an extension on that, only here in the New Galley, Enon Valley area, and uh, this story of the pig lady of Candleton will be coming up. But were you aware also that Appalachian music was a big part of our heritage here in Beaver County? That back in the day, that that was the type of music that they brought here. A lot of Irish immigrants, German immigrants who came to this area and settled. Uh, their music was of an Appalachian style. And uh, we have a couple of guys here tonight, Tony Source and Mark Bergfeld, uh, who make up the uh, band. And so you could want to relax and enjoy the music. And I don't know. Do you think that if people wanted to get up and dance a little bit, that they would be able to do that? They'd be more than welcome to do that. Uh, so let me introduce uh, Tony and Mark. Come on up here. And uh, thank you. I hope you enjoy the evening. Thank you. Hello. So, this first song that we're going to play for you kind of has like a Halloween-y kind of feel to it. It was written in America. It's not like uh, old, old, but the person that I heard it first be played by was Bob Dylan on his first album. And there's an interesting story behind it where he actually kind of stole it from another guy that was uh, playing around New York City in that time. And everyone was playing this song, but he was, he played it, he was the first to play it this way, which then uh, made it a big hit. So we're going to do it. Ready? One, two. Three, four. 
This next one, he mentioned um, how that a lot of the Appalachian music has come from Ireland, which uh, is very, very true. So, like, a lot of their Irish traditional music is, like, if you can draw a lot of parallels between, I mean, just the instruments, like a fiddle and, uh, you know, banjo. Like, they have a lot, even just in the instruments and then in the way that the songs are structured. So... I guess we'll start there. We're going to do the uh, Irish original. And, or a, Irish. and the content of what this this ballad yeah, is. Yeah, they were poor too. The, yeah. And they like to make some liquid lightning or yeah. moonshine. Yeah, they like a couple they, drinks. They brought that with them. That's where that came from. So Yeah. Ready? Yep. Yep. <laughs> 
Daniel from the Excite Man, I smoke your right in Barney. That's a great song. That's so much fun to do. All right. Well, we're going to do a little gospel tune for you. It's, uh, I think everyone will know it. It's one of the first songs Mark and I like started playing together, and we usually open with it, but I thought maybe the spookier kind of House Horizons done was a cool thing. Uh, so, here we go. Ready? Glory, glory, hallelujah, 
Do that like an upbeat, happy kind of thing, but it's actually like a sad song if you listen to the lyrics. Yeah, it's kind of kind of fits in with the theme of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. So we got some more gospel for you here. We do a lot of that kind of thing. So you're in for a treat. Feel 
free to sing along if you'd like. crowd not every crowd claps like you do after <laughs> every song this is great <laughs> thank you uh, we're gonna slow it down just a little bit and uh, we're gonna keep with the gospel theme for right now we're gonna do we're in our gospel block so um he'll tell me what this song's gonna be eventually 
like keeping them waiting. So this next one, it's going to be faster. And uh, the first time I heard it, I believe, was off of like a bluegrass compilation album. And I was like, man, I can relate to this guy. He's got almost no money. But he's got a girl, and that's something. 
Ready, Mark? I'm two dollar bill. See, I'm finding out what the song is now.
All right, we're going to do you a John Prine song. Anybody know who John Prine is? Nice. This one's um, it's called Paradise. It's, um, it's about coal mining, which you'd be surprised how many songs are about coal mining. Well, there's a lot of coal mining around here. Yes. So, you ready, Mark? Thank you. 
has howled it away. Yeah, John Prine's the man. He's so good. I got a, I got a local songwriting friend. He's a folky, and he wrote a song, and one of the lines in it is like, she doesn't even know who John Prine is. And it's like... I, did, I, I love that. I don't know. It's, it's called a Dating App Algorithm Blues. It's on Spotify. I'm plugging my friend now. But this next one. B-Man. You got to plug B-Man. He's a friend of both of ours. Of course. Um, this next one is, um, I believe it was first written for a play, but Doc Watson is the first place I heard it, who's like, you know, my personal favorite. Um, I don't know if you want to call him a folky, but that actually brings me a cool story. So... Back in the 60s when there was like beatniks and like a lot of cultural revolution and whatnot, there was like a resurgence of this kind of music, this Appalachian music. And so there's all these like beatniks and, and people, they would go out to like North Carolina and just hold the whole Appalachian area and they would look for people to record and they were trying to make money basically. They were like, I'm going to find these people, record, we're going to sell them to the city folk because that's what they want. And they stumbled across this, uh, this guy sitting on his porch playing a banjo. And um, he just so happened to be Doc Watson. And literally one of the greatest of all time, multi-instrumentalist, incredible musician, songwriter, all that. And um, if you don't know his music, you should look it up. This is, uh, this is one of, I don't know if it's his, but he brought it to popularity. It's called Summertime, which, you know, it's not summertime, but we can reminisce.
jump in the cat in his eye You're happy he's red And your mama's good looking Baby, honey, don't you cry One of these mornings You rise up and sing And you spread out your wings And take to the sky Until that day Honey, hush up, you're crying Pretty baby, honey, don't you cry. Thank you. That was the one where I was like, man, this needs fiddle. And he's like, I could definitely help you out there. But um, what else do we got for the kind people? So now... Obviously, we're on down the line a little bit, and we've gotten a little bit, you know, away from the roots, but there's still music being made now that's very heavily influenced by Appalachian-style music, one of the most popular being Tyler Childers. Does anybody know who Tyler Childers is? Nice. That's cool. We're going to do you a Tyler Childers song, because I'd like to play, you know, the roots and then where it's at now, which, I mean, I think it's evolved very uh, gracefully. It holds up, is what I'm trying to say. And it's fun to play.
bodies, it'll tell me red. If you keep this living, then you'll wind up dead. Cast your troubles on the Lord of Lords. Wind up laying on a cooling board. But I got bodies on White House Road. Keep me moving with my feet hang low. Grocery bill, take my trouble to the high wall, throw me in a river and get your fill. We've been sniffing that cocaine, ain't nothing better when the wind cuts cold. Lord, it's a mighty I live in, damn good feeling to run these roads. It's a damn good feeling to run these roads. going to switch instruments here we're going to do another irish tune well it's, it wasn't it wasn't i don't even know is it is he irish the guy it's that wrote it really irish. It's, about ireland. it's about ireland it's another one of those ones that was inspired by kind of irish music i don't know if it's really it's close enough it's close enough my grandfather would say it's good enough for the girls i run with My grandma does not like that expression. <laughs> well, I took a stroll down the old Ironwood one day. I, I, I met a little girl and we started talking. Fine South Day. Do. 
ain't hiding your ticket home And I ask you, friend Tell me what do you do When her hair was back in her eyes blue And I travel around Been all over this world And I ain't seen nothing like a Galway girl Got another 10 minutes with you. That's about two, three more songs. Um, I wrote a song. It's kind of, uh, I would say, it's definitely. Well, you're from Appalachia. I'm from Appalachia. That makes it Appalachian music. So I'll play you an original. And then um, we'll do a couple more after that. This is about an ex girlfriend and. Uh, Maybe current girlfriend soon. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> All right. I don't know much about you Because you don't seem to do the thing to say you'll do But I you're gonna be just fine Downtown with your head in your hand You're talking that stuff, you ain't got no man But I think you're gonna be just fine Oh yeah, you'll be just fine Let's get together, grab a bottle of wine Come on now, baby, tell me what's on your mind Oh yeah, you'll be just fine Let's get together, grab a bottle of wine Come on now, baby, tell me what's on your mind Your red dress on and you wore it for me But I think, baby, that it's plain to see that you think that I'm gonna be just fine You talk about this and you talk about that But I don't see a problem from where I'm at Cause I think that I'm gonna be just fine Oh yeah, I'll be just fine Let's get together, grab a bottle of wine Come on now, baby, tell me what's on your mind Oh, yeah, you'll be just fine Let's get together, grab a bottle of wine Come on now, baby, tell me what's on your mind
in love with you Even though you do the things that you do I think we're gonna be just fine I'll tell you how good we got it I'm gonna sing a song so melodic Tell me what's on your mind. Cool. Thank you. All right. We could do Sally, or we could do... You want to do Sally? Oh, yeah, because that got the theme that goes along with this yeah. thing. Yeah. You know? That's got the word dying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This song is about a girl named Sally, and Sally has run astray. Sal Sally's a bad girl. But there's redemption in the song as well, so... Sort of. It's one of my favorite. Um, I don't know. I just found it. I really like it. So. I saw Sally changing clothes. She was in the perfect pose. Sally, let your bags hang down. I saw Sally bending over. She looked like. Said, well, 
the most Sally's always trying to keep a good man down Sally singing praises, Sally singing hymns Sally trying to give me in the fight again Sally change your ways before we He was rich and Sally got lucky He said, Sally, would you be my wife? Gave her a ring and he gave her his money They got married, things turned funny That man didn't last a second night Oh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost These are the things that I fear the most Sally's always trying to keep a good man down Sally singing praises, Sally singing hymns, Sally trying to keep me in the barn again. Sally change your ways before we die. Die. Thank you. We're going to do you two more songs. Um... One's going to be by Pure Prairie League. It's a song called Amy. And I just, we love this song. I can't particularly relate it back to Appalachia. Appalachia. But I tell you what, it's a great song. And uh, we like playing it. And then we'll do a, a bluegrass kind of sing along and close out the show. Ready, Mark?
got you on, you've got your way. And all the things you thought before fade out in the green. Can you see? Don't know if it's you or if it's me. If it's one of us, I'm sure we both will see. You take too long to see. This one we always play as our parting song because we're about to fly away, people. Ready, Mark?
Yes. Thank you all. Uh, it's been a pleasure to play here. And um, yeah, thanks for being a great audience. We've been Z-Town Street Band. You can follow us on Facebook, Z-Town Street Band. And if anybody of you, if any of you guys know anybody that need a band such as this, you let us know. And uh, maybe we could get a gig. Thank you again. Where are you guys from? Um, I'm Bell. I'm from West Mayfield. Hey. Z-Town Z- Z- Street. Street Band. We got the name from, actually, we started really getting together as a band in Buskin and Zillianople. For, mm-hmm. uh, on Thursday nights, they have their, um, what do they call that, open air market or whatever. Yeah, that's right. We started playing on the street for tips. <clears> and <throat> uh, now we're playing at breweries and festivals Festival, all over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good time. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Kevin. We good. Appreciate you guys. Thank you again. Once again, this whole thing about the pig lady and uh, this festival uh, that's been going on for a while was all brought together by some local people uh, several years ago, and the folklore continues. Uh, It originated with a gentleman by the name of John Gishbacher. Uh, Do any of you know John? He was a local folklore enthusiast. He actually led the way, keeping the Barbara Davidson tale alive for many, many years. With the uh, Lions Club Haunted House. Do any of you remember the Lions Club Haunted House? All that. Uh, John and his son Mike are responsible for resurrecting the Barbara Davidson Pig Lady Festivals back in 2019, leading into what is the Pig Lady Folklore Celebration of today. Now, sadly, John passed away in January of 2023. So to honor John's love of local folklore and tall tales, uh, we have added this segment to the show. And we're going to bring up uh, Missy Hornback. Missy, are you over there? <laughs> spooky, isn't it? You're sp- and then she ends up over there. Yeah. Okay, so you've got the microphone over there. Yeah, the girl's going to read. Yeah, come on up here. Come on. Uh, so who do you have with you tonight here, Missy? This is Kara McGaff, and her parents and her brother are also here. She's going to read a story that I wrote, and Madison is her best friend, and she's just here for support, so she's going to hold up a sign, you know, title, okay. cover picture for the story. All right. A quilted ghost. There once was a little ghost named Quincy, who was a quilt. His parents were both sheets. Quincy didn't like being different. He had layers of fabric, so he was much heavier than a sheet, and he could not fly like the other ghosts. Also, he would get too hot and sweaty when he tried to play with other ghosts. So he spent his days at the big window watching the people who lived on his street. His favorite person was a little girl named Maddie who lived across the street. The best time for Quincy was Halloween because he could not fly around like other ghosts and scare and chase the children. Quincy would hang himself over the porch rail and get to see close up all the people. He watched from the window 
as they went door to door gathering bags of candy. He liked the costumes, even though some of them scared him. This year he was hanging there waiting to see what Maddie was going to be wearing. One time she was a pumpkin, and one time she was a witch, but two times she was a ghost, and that is how she became his favorite. He watched as lots of children walked to the door for their treats. Some were even dressed as ghosts, but none of them were Maddie. Quincy was hoping to stay awake until she came. Suddenly, he felt someone grab him and started running away. He was so afraid he couldn't even open his eyes. Again, he found himself regretting being a quilt. He was too heavy to fly and too afraid to open his eyes. How would he ever find his way back home? Then the running stopped and he could hear sounds of the forest where he was certain that ogres and goblins were waiting to cook him up for their Halloween feast. With his eyes still closed, he was just about to scream for help when he heard someone crying. He felt himself being moved again. Then he could feel he was wrapped around something scary with lots of fur and probably lots of teeth. Quincy opened his eyes. It was Maddie. The first thing he noticed was that she was dressed like a princess. And then he saw it was her who had been crying. She'd fallen while running in her princess high heels and she broke her ankle and could not walk. It was Maddie's friend, Kara, who grabbed Quincy and ran away with him. Maddie was nearly freezing in her princess costume, so Kara wanted to be warm until her dad could get there to carry Maddie home. As he waited, Quincy wrapped himself real close and snug so Maddie would get nice and warm. She stopped crying. She looked at Quincy and said, I wish I had a blanket like this. He was so happy, he almost yelled out loud. That was the best Halloween he had ever had and the very first time he was happy being a quilt. Ah! Good job! Thank you, Kara. Thank you guys very much. Something really special coming up next. centuries, the ghost of a young woman named Barbara Davison has haunted the area around Candleton Road in northern Beaver County. She would meet a grisly demise after her killer took her life and her head. Barbara's decapitated head was never found, nor was her killer. She would become known as the Pig Lady a phantom that has interacted with many over the passing years. Barbara Davison's story begins around the start of the American Revolution. She was born in South Carolina 
the daughter of a rice planter, Samuel and Cora McCaskey. When the British invaded, the family was forced off their property. Samuel fought on the side of the rebellion. For his services, he received a small parcel of land, after which the family relocated on a piece near the Little Beaver River, known today as Darlington Township, Beaver County. Barbara, like most, grew up taking care of the family farm, performing mundane chores. She would go about tending to the livestock. It was the chickens and the pigs that she worked with the most, and day after day she would toil over the beasts. The smell of the pig corrals would take one's breath away, and the mud she would stomp through each day. But at night it was different. Barbara was a social creature. She was always well received by her Scottish neighbors, and Barbara was said to possess a beautiful singing voice with musical talent. She was said by many to have long, beautiful hair with a fair complexion. It was no mystery why many young suitors were attracted to her, and she gave her heart to an army veteran by the name of Nathan Davidson. Davidson was from Virginia and was already established in the community there. So at the tender age of 15, the newly wedded couple moved to Virginia. We do not know what had happened to the marriage. However, there was a falling out. Barbara would return home to her parents' farm and subsequently her demise. It would be a sweltering summer's day in 1795. Her family would make a several-day routine trip to Pittsburgh to purchase more livestock. Barbara stayed behind to tend the farm. Samuel looked at Cora, gazed out at his farm, surveying the land, finally coming to rest on the side of his beautiful daughter. At the crack of the lash, they were off down the old dirt road as the wagon carried them. Little did Samuel and Cora realize this would be the last time they would look upon their beautiful daughter's smiling face. Several days had elapsed since their journey to the Pittsburgh market with their livestock in tow. The McCaskies returned to their farm. Barbara was nowhere to be found. They searched for five hours. Something was wrong. They would ask the neighbors first. No one had seen her. The McCaskies would ask for their neighbors' help to gather a search party. They looked everywhere, the woods, the farmyard, and the barn. Regrettably, they would find Barbara Davidson's contorted, headless body stuffed under the crawl space of the family house. Her head was severed and missing, nowhere to be found. It was almost too much for her family to bear. Despite their best efforts, the authorities were never able to apprehend the killer. Her death shattered the peace and tranquility of the small community. The McCaskies would bury their daughter two miles from their house in the small county cemetery. The inscription on her wooden tombstone reads, Barbara Davidson, born April 11, 1777, died July 27, 1795. 
A headless form neath this mold doth lie, murdered most foul, loved by all save one. But this is not the end of our story. You see, Barbara's headless form has allegedly been seen by many. Her ghost walks the woods surrounding her old farm. Even the cemetery people claim to hear cries where her headless body was laid to rest. Late at night, some teenage youth are out on the wooden footbridge that crosses over the Little Beaver River. On the hippie bridge, as it is called, a young man takes a drag on his cigarette, his friends tormenting him about his lack of courage. A as he barks at them as he slowly walks the footbridge alone. As he nears the end of the bridge, the air grows thick. Each step he takes slower than the last. See, nothing. Told you, ass. Just then, a fog envelops him. The air so cold. Her shape forms slowly out of a column of mist. As the young man turns, he sees a woman sobbing. As he approaches, the sobbing turns into grunting. The boy's eyes grow wide at the spectacle before him. It is the apparition of Barbara Davison's form with the head of a pig. Terror bolts through him as he runs for his life. Could it be she decided to use a pig's head to scare would-be visitors because she tended to the beasts in life? Barbara's head was never found. There has always been speculation as to its fate. Some believe that the head was thrown in an old mine that was above Kennelton Road. Many have claimed to see a bodiless head frightening those who walk the road. One such tale involves a man by the last name of Gray. Gray was bringing a wagon fully loaded with fresh-picked apples down the road. He struggled to see where he was going. It was a combination of his kerosene lantern and the moonlight that aided him. As he slowly passed the mine shaft, he was startled by a glowing ball of light. The glowing ball merged directly in front of his wagon. It spooked his horses, causing them to run frantically. The glowing ball formed into a head and attached itself to the lead horse. And that Gray realized that the head had long flowing hair. The head would turn and face him. It had red glowing eyes. The ghostly head tormented the animal as Gray fought to keep the wagon upright. Apples would fly out every bump in the road. The spectacle finally came to the end when the ghost had left the horse and vanished in the direction of the mine. As a volunteer was sitting around a campfire, Barbara Davison's apparition materialized out of the campfire smoke. In this tale, as he sat there astonished watching, the smoke changed into the form of a woman with no head. The man quickly wiped his eyes. A woman's voice then slowly began to speak to him. The ghostly form said to tell him, Tell them. Renault. Renault. The apparition vanished into the air. 
Startled, the young man tried to remember the words he heard from the ghost. Eventually, he realized the specter was saying a name. The French name was Renault. Ironically, there was a French Indian trapper whose name was Renault that resided around the time of Barbara's death. This trapper had a bad reputation amongst the town. Could it be that Barbara Davison was attempting to name her killer from beyond the grave? I'm sorry you missed the uh, bacon and sausage breakfast, but the pig lady uh, couldn't stick. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just one of those throwaway lines. All right. Are you ready for this? Come on up here on the stage, Missy. The pig lady of Candleton Tale, uh, as you just heard. And once again, the guy who's putting all this stuff together is just amazing. As I stand backstage and watch him. Uh, you know, it's just Kevin Farkas, uh, socialvoiceproject.org. All these uh, stories are on the website. You can check them out anytime. Uh, what do you got, about 15 or so stories on on the website? Yeah, I've seen them. He does, and he does it all by himself over there. Light, sound, and everything. Uh, Missy uh, Hornbeck is with us. Melissa is from East Liverpool, Ohio. And uh, she's the founder of the longtime ghost investigator with the Ohio Paranormal Investigation Team. You might have seen their table in the back open. And you're with... Um, this is my partner, Claudia Eskin. Uh, Claudia. She's my co-founder of the team. Oh, nice to meet you. You guys have been investigating these sort of things for a long time now. Yeah. I've been at it for about 20 years. Okay. Uh, I want you to just uh, talk to the audience, tell them some of the things you've seen, because these are pretty, uh, pretty interesting things. Tell us a little bit about your organization and what it is that uh, when you go out to investigate things and what are some of the things you've seen over the years and uh, have brought to life for people who are interested in it. Okay. Well, we started investigating basically doing orb studies. It was back in the time when people were debunking orbs that if you ever get those little balls in your photos and you're like, what is that? A lot of time that has to do with spirit activity. Now, the debunkers will say it's dust, pollen, moisture, stuff like that. And granted, they're right. It does cause orbs, but that's not the only thing that causes orbs. And like I say, you know, you can, I can make something looks just like chocolate pudding, but I promise you're not going to want to eat it. <laughs> you know, so those debunkers have their theories and we have ours. We went to Gretchen's Lock like every week for seven, eight years in a row, literally every weekend. Where is and what is Gretchen's Lock? Gretchen's Lock's is an area in East Liverpool, Ohio, where it's got a tale pretty much like the pig lady. It's folklore, you know, but um, 
when we went there and started investigating, we realized that the place is seriously haunted. It's full of ghosts. I mean, we've contacted so many ghosts over in that area that we've literally lost count. And it's also where Pretty Boy Floyd was killed. Oh, yeah, in East Liverpool. Yeah, right up in East Liverpool, just oh, right up the road from Gretchen's Lock. Okay. We were investigating the spot where he was killed one night. And I hear somebody's voice. Is anybody else here? That's a ghost of Tony. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. The ghost of Tony LaVorna. Oh, it's just me screwing up, I mean. <laughs> okay, where was I? I'm sorry, I lost track. Uh, you were with uh, Pretty Boy Floyd or somebody like that? Yeah, we had the team up there yeah. investigating. We were asking questions, and we picked up an EVP. An EVP is an electronic voice phenomenon. That's when you pick up something on your recording that you didn't say, and nobody with you has said, and you didn't hear it at the time. But when you play back the recording, you can hear somebody speak and say something. Mm -hmm. This time at the Pretty Boy Floyd location, we picked up an EVP saying, I said, get in a car. And it was a man's voice. And that was like class A. You didn't have to strain to hear what it was. It was very clear. Was, I said, get in a car. Mm -hmm. So we were pretty fascinated by that one. That's one of our favorite ones from that spot. Did you get in a car? Yes, no, did yes, you? we did. Yes. And that's one thing when we, when we go and we're dealing with spirits, first of all, I figure I'm outnumbered. There's mm -hmm. most likely a lot more of them there than there is of me. Yeah. And so we always ask permission before we enter a haunted location. And we say that we introduce ourselves. You know, I'm Missy from Opit, and I have so-and-so, Claudia and Helen and Michelle with me, and we want to know if it's okay to come in. And a lot of times... You'll get a response to that. I always say that if you don't tell me no, then I'm assuming that's going to be a yes. Okay. So, but we have got a few no's. And we've even got one at the mill by Gretchen's Lock that said, not tonight. Mm. So we were like, okay, not tonight. And we, did, we, we respect what they tell us. All right. Melissa, tell us about uh, the, uh, uh, the story uh, that you worked on with Tony Lavorna and uh, Barbara Davidson. Now, that was fascinating. Yeah, I'll give you the microphone. Go ahead. Tell All the right. folks well, about it. I had never heard about the Barbara Davidson story until I spoke with Tony DeHorna. I met him through some other paranormal work, and he had just started doing a podcast. He arranged for our team to go to the location where the murder happened and do some investigating. And like I was just stating earlier about EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon, when we were at that investigation, we got what we would consider a Class A EVP. You didn't have to strain to hear it. It was very clear what they said, and nobody was mistaken. Everybody agreed with what they heard. And we got that probably within 10 minutes after starting, yeah. and it was a female voice that said, help me. I think Kevin has a clip of that. Kevin, we're going to show you a little part of our investigation from the Marvin Davidson murder location. So, bear with us just a second, I'll be right back. Welcome everyone. I'm Tony Lavorna, and this is Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore. It's a cold night here on this November night in Pennsylvania. This evening, I will be stepping through the history of Barbara Davison also known as the Headless Pig Lady of Candleton Road. And tonight joining me will be the ladies and gentlemen of the OPIT. That's the Ohio Paranormal Investigation Team. And we are going to take you on a journey 
from the apple orchards to the foundations to some of the legends along with this tale. So get ready and here we go. So we're now here at the foundation of where the property once stood. With me here is Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi. We're going to send Melissa and the team into the field. Melissa, tell us what exactly your plan of attack is here now that we're standing close to where the foundation once stood and where evidently the body was to be found in the crawl space. Okay, we're going to start out with um, trying to make communication right off the bat. We'll do a couple short EVP burst sessions. That's where I record just a few simple questions and give her time to answer and then we'll play them back right now and see if there is any response. That way we'll know if she already knows we're here and if she's following us around. Take a few pictures to see if we see any spirit activity in the photos. Excellent. We're going to go from there. Okay, team, let's get it together and we'll go ahead in. Barbara, do you know who it was that killed you? What we're going to attempt to do is now play the recording back to see if anything was picked up on the reading. Are you here with us right now, Barbara? Is there something that you need to communicate to us? Something there. Did you hear that? There is something about three, like about roughly three minutes in. That you need to communicate to us? Did you hear something on the tape? It definitely says help me. I'm not sure how good the mic will pick it up. I asked her a question and you can hear the weeds rustling just about three seconds after it gets good and quiet you right. hear clearly help me people who believe they've seen your spirit around here is there something that you need to communicate to us you see you hear the words right help me is there something that you need to communicate to us We're going to clear this up for you, ladies and gentlemen, much better. Is there something that you need to communicate to us? You see, you hear the words, help me. Help me. You do hear the words, help me. Very interesting. Okay, so like I was saying, that right there is a Class A EVP. I don't know if anybody thought they didn't hear what was said mm -hmm. but I clearly heard help me and so did Claudia and the rest of the team so the trick with this investigation was that it was an outdoor investigation and um, we were not able to use a lot of our equipment so we had to go what we call pretty much old school which is running a voice recorder taking photographs, seeing if we can get spirits to show up in photographs. Like I was talking earlier about the orbs, a lot of times that will happen during an investigation. They'll show up where and when I ask them to, just to let us know that there is somebody there paying attention. That's pretty much all we had to go with during this investigation. And though we didn't get a lot of information, the evidence we did get, like the Class A EVP, was really good. We also got a bit of evidence it was a, another electronic voice phenomenon where um, when Tony was doing the podcast on the pig lady, he had learned that there was a suspect in the murder and his name was Renault. Well, while we were there investigating, we were asking her if she could let us know who killed her, even though it was too late for us to be able to punish him. We thought maybe it might be nice for her to be able to get that off of her chest. 
and um, we picked up another EVP. This one wasn't Class A. I kind of thought that it said, I don't know, but Claudia, who is our EVP specialist, this is the one I go to to let me know if I'm not sure what it's saying. She'll let me know what it says. And what she heard was, I am or no. So that would make more sense with the questioning that we were doing than what I thought I heard. But it wasn't 100% clear. We didn't all agree. Some of us thought it said one thing. Some of us thought it said another. So that's a difference between EVPs. But we did get that one Class A, which I'm very excited about. And we got the one where we think possibly even gave the name of the killer. When we first started the investigation, Claudia, do you remember the bird? Yeah. That was crazy. Now, when we started getting into the paranormal things, you hear tales from all kinds of people that, you know, they think a loved one's getting hold of them. They'll see a bird that shows up or a butterfly that shows up. Birds and butterflies happen a lot. That's a very easy way for loved ones to let you know they're watching. So anyhow, when we first started the investigation, we had no sooner stepped two feet onto that property and it was november first week of november i think it was definitely past october it was freezing cold we were so cold that day so we no sooner stepped onto this property and the most common bird that a person will see that people recognize as a spirit sign is a cardinal and a cardinal came right up from out of the ground which i've never seen a cardinal nest on the ground <laughs> never ever we stepped on and this thing flew up out of the ground and hovered in the air for about two seconds and then just took off. And I just looked at the team and Tony and said, I think we're going to have a good night. Well, we did get to, like I said, to Class A and a couple other things. But the Barbara Davison investigation was one that I really, really would like to go back and do again with some more equipment. I wish I had electricity for that property. But yeah, it's definitely active there. I do believe in the pig lady, though I've never heard of her before I investigated. Barbara Davidson is unsettled. She's still roaming that property. I think she does want help finding her murderer. And that's what she was telling us that night with the help me. And then with the I am or no, I forgot to mention that was a male voice. And that's another thing that we've found out during our investigations that when a person commits a hard crime, sometimes they're bound to stay in that area. Some people think they go there for the pleasure of what they did at the time that reminds them of that, but I think it's more of a punishment because the words that we have them telling us is more regretful than praising, you know, than bragging. So there's that. Other than that, is there anything you wanted to say about the investigation? No, we had to cut it short, so we didn't. It was really cold and we were under equipment, but I we think, did good I for what we had. Our recorders died on us too. Oh, that's right. Spirits, if you're ever trying to make contact with spirits and you're using a camera or a voice recorder and it all of a sudden goes dead, that's not just bad luck. They will drain, they will take energy from any source that they can. And nine times out of ten when we're on investigation, our equipment gets completely drained. We'll charge everything max before we get there. We'll be 10 minutes into it and everything goes dead. So if you're ever doing that, make sure you bring a charger, extra batteries, and be prepared because they will take energy from any source they can to be able to contact you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you guys so much for sharing that investigation. Now look, I'm going to be the first one to admit, I don't really believe in this stuff, but 
but what about Rochester? <laughs> there are some things I cannot explain. I, I don't know what is going on there in those EVPs and the things, but you know, I've been on site to a couple of these investigations to hear it. Um, I can't explain it, but it is fascinating stuff. Like the Rochester investigation, we picked up a male EVP from there and it was all female investigators that night. So there was a man there at the Rochester, what, what was it? The, um... It's the old high school, Danny Chabot. It's yeah. a legendary, uh, he was a janitor. And so uh, he, he haunts the place, smokes pipe, people smell the pipe. He moves stuff around, stuff out of the, um, the janitor closet. So, uh, yeah, how do you explain all that? Yeah, well, that was one of my favorite investigations of all time because his granddaughter had asked us to try to contact him because she wanted to know if that was him that was here. And we asked him specifically, we said, is there anything you want to say to your granddaughter? And another Class A EVP with a male's voice and all female investigators said, she's awesome. And I thought, out of all my clients, out of all the time I've been doing this, I've been doing this 20 years, that was the best thing that I could take back to a client and say, this is what we found. So that was one of my favorites. And thank you for it's, that one. It's amazing stuff. Thank you guys for sharing your experience with Barbara Davison. By the way, that's an undisclosed location. We were asked to, not to reveal where the location is. And I'm sure many people know where it is. But um, so the uh, Barbara Davidson's story continues and the pig lady story continues and this festival celebration of folklore continues and hopefully next year we will see you we'll have uh, better weather next year and we'll, we'll have a see if they'll let Opit come back again yeah you guys are always welcome to come on back all right thank you thank you kevin well thank you all for coming mike room i had to had to take off but we have like we do every year this is our fourth year of doing the festival uh celebration uh we show a movie and so we have Night of the Living Dead. So we're going to go ahead and close out our celebration for tonight. We're going to show the movie. It's 90 minutes long. You've probably seen it. It's a classic. You probably know many of the lines. Some think it, it's the greatest horror story ever made. Some think it is the beginning of the uh, zombie genre. And all the great filmmakers from Spielberg, um, many others, they all point to uh, Romero's Night of the Living Dead as a classic inspiration for all of them. So we're gonna go ahead and uh, take just a few minutes and then when we dim the lights, the movie will come on and feel free to hang around and watch the movie. We got a couple fire rings going back there. Thank you again for coming tonight. You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network.